Hey y'all, and welcome back to Give Me the Creeps with Abby and Daniela. Hello. We're back this week, and it is once again Daniela's turn. Three out of three. my turn. Very excited. It's my last turn for this. (gasps) Wait, I'm trying to think of what. What's next? Oh, it's just the third. Okay. My birthday is my week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have something up your sleeve? I do. Wonderful. We'll see how it pans out. But this week, so since I did a conspiracy and something creepy, I decided I'm going to do a cult. Yeah. And I had never heard of this cult before, which is surprising based on all the stuff that I'm about to tell you. But um, there is a HBO docuseries on it on HBO Max, and I'll talk about it later. But um, we're going to talk about La Luz del Mundo. Oh, shit. Okay. For for non-Spanish speakers, the light of the world. Hmm. And this is a Christian denomination church. It's like evangelical or something or Pentecostal, something like that. Hmm. But uh, this church claims that they have anywhere from one to five million followers. Whoa. So... But a lot of people, um, a lot of the survivors say that it's exaggerated. And I mean, they do have a lot of um, followers like around the world and stuff, but they think it's like one million, not five million. Oh, okay. Yeah. But either way, they have a lot of followers. Um, And it's Mexico's largest evangelical church and has branches in 50 countries and it operates under the guise of the only true church offering eternal salvation. Of course. Who wouldn't want in on that? Yes. So this church was founded in 1928 in Jalisco, Mexico, when Eusebio Joaquin Gonzalez said that he had a vision of God speaking to him. A former shoe vendor, Gonzalez changed his name from Alcebio to Aron, and the self-identified apostle built a church that preyed on poor, disenfranchised people who sought salvation and handed over 10% of their earnings as tithings. Aaron, or Aaron, <laughs> I knew I was going to do it. <clears throat> Aron held power until he died in 1964 when his son, Samuel Joaquin Flores, took over. I don't know why they have different last names. Like, all of them do. Mm. I don't know. But Mm. they all have the same middle name, Joaquin. Mm. Um, Speaking of that, Jeremy's uh, half-brother, his younger half-brother, his name is Joaquin, and his last name is Lord. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) (laughs) his whole name is it sounds out walking with the lord is that a joke 
No, I'm not joking. That is exactly Was that on purpose? Yes, they did it on purpose. Walking with the Lord. Joaquin. I don't know. I don't know how his middle name is with Interesting. With the I don't know how they did that. But yeah, that's what it's supposed to be. Walking with the Lord. Interesting. Wow. (laughs) But anyways, so yeah, so Aron died in 1964, and then his son Samuel Joaquin Flores took over. So following, and then following Samuel's death in 2014, his son Nason Joaquin Garcia assumed leadership and would carry on the organization's nefarious traditions. So the three generations of apostles preached with alarming gusto and self-regard and also allegedly helped themselves to the company and sexual services of children, mostly girls, Mm -hmm. but boys as well, who were groomed to serve the appetite of the leaders. So before we get more into that, I want to dive a little bit into their beliefs and practices so during La Luz del Mundo's religious services, male and female members are separated during worship. Uh, from the preacher's perspective, women sit on the left side of the temple and men on the right. Uh, the church does not use musical instruments during its, wor- during its worship services, and there's no dancing or clapping, and women cover their heads with a veil during services. Which, I mean, like, the Catholic Church doesn't really... Well, they have, like, choirs and stuff, and they use instruments and stuff like that. But, like, there's no, like, dancing. Um, and the Catholic Church used to have it where women had to wear veils. Mm-hmm. And some little Mexican old ladies still do that. True. They do have music like they sing they sing hymns but it's all acapella mm-hmm. um and then of course when they sing they all sing at the same time in unison like to form uniformity during the meetings which is basic for any church mm-hmm. but uh listening to music outside of like hymns and like religious songs they are not allowed to do and they're not allowed to like attend like dances like at like at a club or whatever obviously but yeah they're not allowed to partake in that kind of stuff so uh, La Luz del Mundo believes that worship should be done spiritually and only to God. Thus, temples are devoid of images, saints, crosses, and anything that might be considered, uh, what is it called? Iconography? Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the places are usually plain and... I mean, not necessarily plain, because when I show you the pictures of, like, their headquarters, like, the main temple that is in uh, Guanajuato or whatever, wherever it's at, there's several churches in the surrounding Mm -hmm. areas. I just... (sighs) Okay, yeah, so it's in Guadalajara, but um, here, I'll actually send you what that church looks like really quickly. Oh, I almost sent that to the wrong person. They were going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this? Yeah. 
I'm going to send you two pictures of what it looks like from different perspectives, but, um, Guadalajara, Guadalajara. it literally looks like Ooh. a big ass wedding cake. Like it's, it's enchanting. Huge. Look at all the colors. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Extravagant. It is very extravagant and it took 10 years to, uh, complete. Wow. Um, <laughs> but on the inside, like everything, it's only God, you know what I mean? And um, so the church holds three daily prayer meetings during the week with two meetings on Sundays and one regular consecration. Excuse me. Um, This is perfect because Ash Wednesday was yesterday. (gasps) Oh my God. (laughs) The timing of the religious. uh, I didn't even. (laughs) Wow. That's spooky. Let's uh, give up joining a cult for Lent. Yes! <laughs> I'm just kidding. Let's give Funny. That would be, if we ever had merch, that would be cute. <laughs> yeah, let's never join a cult, but specifically not during Lent. Yes. All right. The church teaches that there are no salvation. Oh, that there was no salvation on earth between the death of the last apostle, which was Apostle John, around mm-hmm. 96 AD, and the calling of Edon Joaquin in 1926. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so members believe that the church itself was founded by Jesus Christ approximately 2,000 years ago, and that after the deaths of the apostles, the church became corrupt and was lost. So La Luz del Mundo claims that though Aaron Joaquin is the restoration of the primitive Christian church, that was, oh my God, wait a minute. Uh, La Luz del Mundo claims that through Aaron Joaquin, it is the restoration of the primitive Christian church that was lost during the formation of the Catholic Church. After those times pass, the beginning of Aaron Joaquin's ministry is seen as a restoration of the original Christian church. So salvation can be attained in the church by following the Bible-based teachings of their leader. And they believe its apostles are directly chosen and sent by God to preach the will of God and salvation. And he, uh, Aaron Joaquin uh, believed that he was called to restore uh, the primitive Christian church. That's what he told everybody that was going on. So although church leadership has remained in the Joaquin family since its founding, La Luz del Mundo maintains that secession of power is by divine calling, not by kinship. But they've never had anybody else except for that family, someone from that family. So Mm. what? (laughs) So La Luz del Mundo teaches that it is the only true Christian church founded by Jesus Christ because it's led by <laughs> because it's led by apostles that are the only true servants chosen of God. Yeah. yeah says who yeah and you <laughs> so members believe that this uh, <laughs> <laughs> I already know how to say this word but my brain is like a postulate <laughs> I don't know it's I'm trying to guess a apostolic there it is ooh 
Members believe that this apostolic authority allows them to find peace, feel close to God, and attain meaning in their lives from the hopes of joining with Christ to reign with him for eternity. Mm. Female congregants do not wear jewelry, makeup, or wear their hair short. Uh, They are taught to dress modestly, which means wearing long dresses and skirts. And as I said before, they wear the veils during religious meetings. And according to an interview with one uh, follower, women in the church are considered equal to men in social spheres and have equal capacity of obtaining higher education, social careers, and other goals that may interest them. However, they are not allowed to become ministers or serve in major leadership roles within the church. Mm, but later, they have. there are some women that have specific roles and they are pretty major. But because they're not like a traditional role that males would have, they don't see it as a high position. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it ends up being a pretty important position. Um, it's not a good one, but mm-hmm. either way. Um, okay, so ch- church members' most important yearly celebration is the Holy Supper or Santa Cena, which is held on August 14th. And it's a representation of the Last Supper, like mm-hmm. Catholic. It's Catholic. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. have the Last Supper thing, right? Or is it I every Christian? So. Oh, my thing? gosh. Oh, I don't know. Ugh. I'm not sure either. Okay. Well, it's a Christian thing, I'm assuming. The week leading up to the 14th, they pray five times a day and prepare for the ultimate feast on the 14th. The most money donated and spent by followers is during this time because people, like, make pilgrimages to – um. Guadalajara. That's what I said, right? Guadalajara? Mm-hmm. Why yep. did it come out weird this time? Um, <laughs> but they make pilgrimages to the temple there. And they spend, they spend all week there. And um, it's, I'll talk about it a little bit more later, but it's like crazy. Um, and another celebration or another day that they celebrate is Nason's birthday, which is May 7th, but no one cares about him. So mm. <laughs> now we're going to get into the shit. So everybody buckle up. I'm going to give trigger warnings oh, yeah. for child abuse, sexual assault and what I, I don't Groom, know if you were grooming. Cult, I guess. Yes, grooming. There it is. That's one. If you were in a cult and you're listening to this, geez. Could you imagine? I a mean, self-aware. Yeah. I guess that's what Scientology is, no? <laughs> Participa- active participants in a cult. Anyways. I feel like they don't have any other well. Okay, that's a whole nother fucking can of worms. <laughs> they want money, so they're like, yeah, sure. Yes. That is <laughs> I want to be with the elites. Yes. Right. Oh, my God. Did you know that they, like, trick other, like, lower level people 
to join Climb. because they make them think they're going to meet the celebrities and they never are. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's rude. I would think they would t- throw them a bone if, once they're in, but I guess not. Yeah, that's no, so they funny. don't. They never, like, wow. there's no way that they would ever reach because they have a fucking celebrity center, like, specific. Right. I would think so, yeah. Yeah. Well, interesting. That's That sucks. Yeah. That's a whole fucking other thing. But um, this church actually kind of reminds me of the LDS church and Jehovah's Witness. Oh, wow. But in Catholic form. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty. (sighs) Interesting. All right. So here we go. Trigger warnings in place. Everyone curd your loins. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> the cult That's of like fashion. I was talking about. <laughs> the cult of fashion is also. A fucking yes. Fashion. That is also a cult. <laughs> and don't forget the devil wears Prada. Yes. <laughs> okay. But I love her. Mm-hmm. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm choking. Uh, okay, that's enough. We're going to get way off topic. Okay, here we go. We were hiding in plain sight, said Althea Coronado, a fourth-generation church member and victim who appeared in the docuseries Unveiled, Surviving La Luz del Mundo on HBO Max. That is the docuseries that I watched for this, and it's really freaking good, and it made me cry. Mm. Um, Her disillusionment crystallized in 2014 when the church announced Samuel's replacement would be his son, Nason. I could not fathom that another Joaquin would be the leader, says Coronado, who is the daughter of La Luz del Mundo ministers and was all too familiar with the dark ways of the family to believe that a third Joaquin might come to the helm. She puts down her surprise to naivety naivete she's or she had expected that the new leader would truly reflect reflect the values of her faith there'd always been little doubts here and little doubts there but we were taught to suppress those red flags she said coronado didn't completely cut her ties with the church until a few years later when she read of nason's arrest and recognized many of the charges as aligning with her own experience Coronado was 11 when she gained firsthand experience of the church's predatory traditions. The person who began grooming her was her cousin. Uh, She was a child as well, Coronado said, and she was groomed and didn't know any better. While Coronado was made to perform sexual acts, it's the psychological control the church exerted over her that she says she felt the deepest scars It's the fears they instill and the doubts about oneself, the dependency, the loss of a sense of self. That is what is most affecting me. The church also made Coronado hand over collateral. In her case, a letter confessing to sins she had supposedly committed. As a devout child, she had no material for such a letter. So I made it up, she said. I wrote that I had fornicated with someone at school and that I was so sorry and that I wanted to serve the apostle and be at his side. She was never not afraid and asked permission to make any moves well into her adulthood, from traveling out of state to see her parents to attending medical school in Mexico. 
she had to appeal to the apostle to get married. I was so afraid that he wouldn't let me because once you're his in a physical way, then you are his property. Another victim and survivor of La Luz del Mundo featured in Unveiled was American citizen Sochil Martin, or I guess Martin, um, a fourth or fifth generation church member. Martin was abused by both Samuel and his son Nason. As a young teen, she had chosen she was chosen for special duties involving the apostle, ironically called a blessing. The duties start in the apostle's home with girls like Martin bringing him meals, cleaning, and doing other housework. Then the dances begin. They start as public dances with the apostle and progress into private dances for him. And that's when the abuse begins to really develop. So I'm going to go a little bit into Sochil's um, uh like the things that she experienced. So she said that she was 13 when her aunt took her to Samuel for the first time. Her aunt told her that when the servant of God takes you with him, remember to always please him. Whether it's you massaging his feet or bathing him, it's not a sin. The servant of God doesn't sin. There's not a sin in his body. So the dances for the apostle had girls as young as 11 attending, like the private dances. Mm-hmm. And so she says she remembers that the outfit she had on for the first time was so tight and skimpy. And she remembers thinking that the servant of God would be so mad at her for wearing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he came out and she saw he saw everybody like and he was happy and like clapping and shit and like just watching them dance. Mm-hmm. So they were all taught not to like listen to this music and because so just said that at one of the dances they played Britney Spears. Like that's what they were dancing Whoa. to. They're little girls. Yeah. And um, but they were taught not to listen to that type of music or dance or to wear makeup or shorts or pants or anything. And suddenly it's fine. Yes, when it came to the apostle, it everything like it was everything was was not off limits anymore and mm. because whatever he wanted he got and they thought that he deserved everything that he wanted mm-hmm. and that it was a privilege that they were selected to do that for him. yes mm-hmm. right mm. and um so so chill says you have to be you had to be poor and you have to be broken for you to need somebody that's telling you that he has that he has all the answers in the world. And that was the mentality that allowed the church to flourish, according mm-hmm. to Sochil. And I mean, it's everybody, it's a lot of people's stories. Like that's true. Um they said that like in the communities that it would that the church would go to would be like under poverty under no impoverished impoverished yes impoverished places um but like once they would put a church in those neighborhoods like it would bring up property value and it would be like a place where the kids could go instead of like running around in the streets and shit so mm-hmm. Um, 
a lot of people saw the church as like a good thing because that they did that, you know? Mm-hmm. But I mean, they took everybody's fucking money that was there and then they fucking did this shit to their kids. Yeah. So, um, what makes it so complicated is the multi generational abuse that happened in these cases. And in Solchil's case in particular, her mom was also groomed and abused, and so was her aunt. Jennifer Thichetta, the director of Unveiled, said, We had women in their 60s, 50s, 40s, and 20s. All of their stories were almost interchangeable. Fucking crazy. Um, Victims were told that their eternal salvation and that of their family members were contingent on their ability to perform these blessings, keeping them locked in the cycle of abuse and feeling responsible for satisfying the apostles' asks. Another victim, Leticia Silva, Oh, this one, like her stories were fucked up. Um, she said that she was 14 when she joined the church in 1975 and her family like fell in love with it. Like they loved the like religious part of it. Mm-hmm. So um, she said everything was fine at first until she got baptized. And the day after her baptism she was sent to Samuel's room by his wife Maria like she was like he really or he thinks you're really pretty or some shit like that and he she takes him over there or she takes Mm -hmm. her over there so um he had been visiting the church the temple that she was at so he was there for a week so Maria told her, you're going to take care of him for a week, basically. Like, you're going to make sure he has food and his room is clean and you're going to massage his feet if he asks you to. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the final day, she said that she had finished the massage and that Maria came in so that they could get ready for bed. And Samuel told Leticia to turn off the lights but to stay, like, for a minute before she left. At, like, that would have made my skin crawl. I agree. And he, she was 14 still? Yes, she was 14. Yeah. Um, so as soon as she turned off the light, he kissed her. And then he started touching her chest. And she was, like, <clears throat> freaking out. Because, one, Maria is right there next to them. And, two, mm-hmm. like, what the fuck is happening? You know what I mean? Like, she's right. like, why is this happening? Yeah. So um, he could sense her discomfort. Yes, discomfort. And he thought it was because of the wife. So he told her not to worry about her. And then Mm -hmm. Maria tells tells Leticia, just obey and do what he says. OMG. Sickening. Yes. So... Leticia said later that year she was invited to a temple inauguration by Maria again. And this is where she learned what an unconditional was. Maria explained to her that an unconditional served the apostle for the rest of their lives. Whatever he decides of their lives, that's what they're going to do. And they had no free will anymore. And at this point, uh, Leticia was 15 and... Samuel was 38 years old. Mm. 
So unconditionals were created by Samuel because when he took power after his dad's death, many of the old school pastors rejected him. They didn't see him to be fit as an apostle. So Samuel wanted to make sure that the new generation of ministers would be totally loyal to him. So mm-hmm. anyone that wanted to become a minister or even a missionary, they uh, he wanted them to be sworn to loyalty to him and everything. Wow. And then he made uh, these girls unconditionals too. The ones that he really liked, he made them unconditionals. Hmm. And not only that, like it once you were an unconditional, any of your offspring, any of your kids were considered unconditional by vow. Hmm. And so they were part of it too. So that's awful. And as an unconditional, you cannot choose your husband or wife. Only someone chooses for you. So you marry a stranger. And uh, a lot of the women in the church, though, they liked to show off that the apostle chose their husbands for them because they saw it as a blessing. Mm. So I feel like a lot of these people were like... um, a lot of the un- unconditionals were the ones that didn't give a shit about the like corruption or like the abuse or whatever. Like they thought I'm part of this too. They're like, special. I'm, yes. Yeah. Or yeah. like they have any control or say. Yeah. And that's, is- that was his whole thing. Like he just wanted a group of people to back him up and not fucking say anything. Dang. Yeah. So, um, on top of that, here's where the women uh, had roles that I was talking about earlier. So he would have ladies that, that were called secretaries. Like he called them secu- secretaries and they did some secretary work. But for the most part, they uh, were women that he had groomed. And then they, in turn, were well-versed in grooming. So they would go on and indoctrinate these girls with Mm -hmm. the Bible and then hand-deliver them to someone. Horrible. Yeah. And they used the Bible as a weapon, which has been done for centuries. But Mm -hmm. um, as a little girl, if you're told you're basically going to become a concubine, they make it seem like you're becoming a princess. So you have your duty to be this sex slave, um, but also be loyal and do whatever the apostle says, because look in the Bible, there's King Solomon and King David, and they had all these women, uh, Mm. but they were also men of God. So it's not a sin because you're with the apostle and he's like King Solomon and King David. Mm Mm-hmm. And you should want to be. Yes. And you should want to be this. Yeah. There was one girl um, who said uh, there was one, this one girl that I'm talking about, she uh, wanted to remain anonymous. So like it doesn't show her face or anything, but, um, and they, I think they call her Anna, like just as to have a reference or whatever. But um, she said that, there was uh fuck i can't remember there was a concubine of some sort that would um 
in the Bible, she would go and cuddle with, I fucking can't remember who it was, but she would go cuddle with this man because he was old or whatever, but like he needed body warmth to stay like alive basically at night. So she would go and cuddle with him. That was her duty to like cuddle with him and give him warmth and shit. But um, and the people that were grooming her were telling her, like, you can be like this girl. Like, she is helping the this, mm. whoever it was. And I'm like, ew. And she mm. said when they told her that, she felt so fucking important. Like, she felt so special. Yeah. And that's how they fucking, Because mm-hmm. then if you try to deny it or say you don't want it, it's like, how dare you? Yes. This is such an honor. Yes. Gross. And that's why yeah. they called them blessings. Oh. Ew. And on top of that, they would tell these girls that this is what they were born to do, that the apostle and that the apostle had the weight of the world on his shoulders, saving people with the faith and all that he was asking. Yes. And all that he was asking was that you do these things for him, that you serve him. Right. And they downplay it. Like, it's not, it's not a big deal. It's just a little cuddling, dancing. It's just you know, a little beepy touch. How confusing would that be? Like you're told modesty, but then the exactly. privileges when you're alone with him is like, what? Exactly. It's messed up. Um, I'm about to get into another really fucked up story. So once again, trigger. This is like trigger, trigger. This story, when I watched it, is what made me cry. Aww. Uh Leticia says that during the Santa Cena week, her nine-year-old sister and mother went to the temple in Guadalajara because, or, well, and, oh my God, damn it. (laughs) (coughs) (coughs) I was on a roll. (coughs) And I lost it. Before you catch it, have you seen um, Martha May Marlene or whatever? You would like that movie, I think. It's fucked up. It's with um, Elizabeth Olsen. It's with the young Olsen twin sister or whatever. But she was in a cult and it it starts like innocent enough. So she thinks she's like, it's not that bad, but it's a good movie. You should watch it. What is it called? I think it's Martha May Marlene or something like that. Like she has a bunch of M names that she got named in the cult. And so that's what it's called. Oh, I thought you were going to start with, I thought you were going to say Martha May Huvier or whatever the fuck her name is in the Grinch. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch it because that sounds really interesting. Okay. So Leticia says that during the Santa Cena week, her nine-year-old sister and mother went to the temple in Guadalajara to celebrate. Um. But apparently, because I was saying earlier that all these people, like, make a pilgrimage to this place, um, I mean, there's, like, thousands of people. So, um, Leticia was worried that something would happen to her little sister if her mother left her to go to the prayer service early in the morning. Because apparently, like, rapes among the followers would happen, like, just like any other large gathering, you know? Wow. The potential is there. Like people are still right. fucking shit. So and they're deprived of everything that's yes. normal. So yeah. Oh God. Mm. Um 
So she asked Samuel if her sister could stay with her while her mom was at this service prayer, the prayer service. My dyslexia just showed its ugly face. <laughs> um, so he said that was fine, which she was surprised. But he, of course, he was like, oh, a little girl? Yeah, sure. Why not? Mm. But uh, so she has her sister with her while she's like doing her duties or whatever. And um, another secretary saw the sister. And a couple mm-hmm. days later, um, Leticia was summoned to Samuel's room. And when she opened the door, she saw her nine-year-old little sister naked oh, in bed with Samuel, who was also naked. And he motioned for Leticia to go over and he made her stick her hand under the blanket so that she could feel that her sister's hand was on his erect penis. (gasps) And she said that she, he like held her other hand and she dug her nails into the palm of his hand and was like, please let her go. And she, like, begged him to let her go uh, and to let her grow up a little bit before deciding if she wanted to serve him. And, Mm. of course, he got mad. And he asked her why she wouldn't give her sister to him. And she said that she wasn't hers to give, that she was Mm. her mother's. So he said, well, then take her to her mother then. And he, like, kicked her out. He was really mad. But he reminded... Leticia of what to tell her sister so that it was a secret blessing and that she couldn't tell anybody. Ew. Yeah. And um, Leticia goes on to say how she felt so torn because she didn't want it to continue to happen. Like she never wanted her sister to be hurt like that. And, um, but she also didn't want to destroy her mother's faith. Mm. And, I, and I guess that's what made me like really emotional because like as a Mexican that's American rough. woman growing up with a grandma who was so deeply ingrained in her faith, like I totally get right. that. Why would you why would you want to to be the one to shed the light yes. on yeah. the ugly truth? But at the same time, it's it's him that did it. You know what I mean? Isn't like, that horrible? Yeah, but she would be the one to be blamed. Yes. Like, this is how it's meant to be. Yes. And I feel mm. like even if she had told her mother what really happened, her mom wouldn't have believed her. You know what I mean? Or somehow she would have been convinced that this is the way or something. Like, oh, that would have been even worse. Which though. is awful. Yeah, if it is like so ingrained. And like yeah. they make it seem like they have a choice or an option, but they – it's always going to be that they are groomed for that kind of activity, yeah. regardless if they have a choice or not. But they make them believe that they do have a choice and that they would choose it. Because why wouldn't they? Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Mm. And that thing of like, well, I'd rather it be me than my younger sister. But right. yeah. there's that weird like, oh, why was I fine with it at, young, at a young age? But then I'm trying to protect my sister. Then it must really be actually wrong. Like, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, and um, they interview the sister later. Um, but I mean, does she, she remember? She she says that there's a lot of her childhood that she doesn't remember because she blacked that she 
blocked it out. Drama. Um, yeah. And then she starts to cry and she's like, I never wanted to open this Pandora's box again. Like I never, I just wanted to forget it and move on because I think it did continue. Like things did continue to happen to her as she got older or whatever. Like it didn't mm-hmm. stop. So like right. maybe worse things happen, but she didn't say what they were. And I'm, I mean, I don't blame her. Like that's, it's a fucked up thing to have to think about or remember. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but so aside from the sexual abuse, the church took control of finances and real estate. It required members to give 10% of their income to the church, some of which was used to monopolize real estate surrounding churches. Nason and his family members, including his father and previous leader, Samuel, have accumulated millions of dollars in luxury homes throughout the United States, including a private 343-acre exotic animal park in Seguin, Texas, called Silver Wolf Ranch, mm-hmm. and a luxury home in Palace Verde's estates. Let me tell you something. <laughs> this is just a real quick sidebar. Okay, so Palace Verde's uh, estates, dude. Okay, so I had no idea that it was Palos Verdes until I read this on Wikipedia, like until literally until I saw this. And Mm. one of my favorite movies growing up was a Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen movie, which weird that you were talking about that earlier. Oh. Um, But it was a movie called Billboard Dad, and they pronounced it Palace Verdes. So I always thought that's what it was called. (laughs) Palace Verdes. And I was like, that's a cool name. I pictured literally like palace, like the word palace. Yes. And I thought Verdes was like a Greek, like I pictured like the fucking Parthenon. Like Mm -hmm. I don't, Mm -hmm. and it's fucking Palos Verdes. Now we all know. We've all learned all together. I can't. I, I don't know how people in LA, like, I don't know how Spanish speakers in LA deal with, like, the way people say shit. I know. And the, when the Beverly Hills people go down and try to do a yeah, review they, at the taco shop. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> and not even that. Like, I just words of. Like, just what places are called like this. Like, how the fuck? <laughs> I know. I don't they just go by without even taking a second glance. Like, the fucking San Luis Obispo, and I look at it, San Luis Obispo <laughs> or some shit. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. San Luis Santa Obispo. Santa Maria, Santa Barbara, San Diego. Oh, yeah, yeah dude. I'm. It's just. It's just like here. People... Whenever we're looking for, um, whenever we're looking at houses, <laughs> and there's a neighborhood here called, uh, well, they call it Santa Rita. And when my mom was like, oh, there's really nice houses in Santa Rita. And I was like, where the fuck is that? <laughs> and then I realized, oh, she's talking about Santa Rita. Like, literally, some people, it doesn't even sound like what it's spelled like anymore. Like, it's Santa. Right. 
when you look at it, it's like different all of a sudden. Yeah, and I'm like, what the fuck is what? That's so funny. But now we know. Palos verdes. Palos verdes. So as of 2019, the exotic zoo was valued at $4.1 million, which Mm. includes lions, a white tiger, exotic birds, a mansion, and an adjacent museum where a collection of restored vintage cars are stored. I'll take it. According to a church (laughs) spokesperson, the ranch is divided into two parts, a federally registered nonprofit zoo and wildlife rescue refuge and a private zoo-themed family retreat. Okay. And, and the church spokesperson further states that the nonprofit part is funded by donations from church members in Texas, while the private part is funded by family earnings from businesses such as a travel agency in Guadalajara, which in total, Nason and his siblings are said to own $7.3 million worth of private luxury properties throughout the United States. Mm. It's insane. And this is all from that 10% that they get from everybody. Right. Mm-hmm. So they say. Um, mm-hmm. So... And in Mexico, the church's leaders are deeply intertwined with authorities and government, resulting in little little operational oversight. And they also have a TV channel slash network that I couldn't find a whole lot of info about, but it is in the docuseries and like they show footage of it. Um, And it reminded me of like the, you know, the fucking church channels that you stumble upon. Oh, Like local shit. Mm -hmm, Um, Just people talking. Yes. And I think it's only in Mexico. I think it's only in Mexico, but I'm not entirely sure if it's like in Houston or other places like that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So unfortunately, Xochitl and the other girls... Uh, that were in the docuseries, their stories are far from unique. Multiple survivors shared their stories and found each other on an anonymous message board on Reddit. It's not anonymous. It's out there. But um, I I Mm -hmm. wasn't sure if I should say it. But um, so Unveiled is the first time many survivors are publicly sharing their stories off Reddit. So the church managed to operate for nearly a century without making ripples in the outside world. That changed in the spring of 2019 when investigative reporter Rhonda Schwartz received a tip from somebody who lives in Flowery Branch, which is a tiny city in Georgia, where the church was buying up 272 acres of land and planning on developing housing units, a shopping center, and one of its signature psychedelic Brutalist temples. <laughs> um, so basically, they were going to make a little town. And uh, the tipster had searched online about the group and found that a Reddit thread um, in which victims convened to share their claims of degradation, gaslighting, and sexual assaults. Mm. It's it really did seem fanatical and I could oh my god, not fanatical, fantastical. 
and I could not find a lot written about this group, says Schwartz. Little by little, she discovered that the narratives surrounding La Luz del Mundo were even more sickening than she'd been led to believe. It's a strange kind of royal dynasty because this was a self-appointed apostle who then appointed his son and then his grandson along with these perverted uh, proclivities and a great deal of power and influence, she says. Around the time of her and her partners reporting for Law and Crime Network, a citizen tip to the California Attorney General's sexual abuse hotline set off an investigation. So, Nason, Susana, Medina, Oaxaca, and Alondra Ocampo were arrested on June 3rd, 2019 in California. Um, Nason was held in jail on a $90 million bail and faced charges ranging from human trafficking and rape to forcible oral copulation of a minor and possession of child pornography. Originally facing 36 charges, Nason in June 2022, at the last minute, took a plea deal that called for him to admit to three counts. The state attorney general's office announced two counts of forcible oral copulation involving minors and one count of a lewd act upon a child who was 15 years old. Mm. The court complaint alleges that Medina Oaxaca assisted Nason Joaquin and co-defendant Alondra Ocampo in forcing teenager Jane Doe number three to engage in an act of oral sex. She was sentenced to, and uh, Medina Oaxaca was sentenced to one year probation for which she avoided going to jail. Uh, We can confirm that Medina Oaxaca was sentenced to one-year probation in addition to time served in jail and house arrest, as well as six months of psychiatric counseling, the prosecutor's office said in a message sent to Univision News. Alondra Ocampo, who loudly sobbed as she listened to portions of victim statements read by family members of the children, she and Nason preyed upon pleaded guilty in 2020 to three counts of contact with a minor for the purposes of committing a sexual offense and one count of forcible sexual penetration. At sentencing, Superior Court Judge Ronald Cohen said in his 38 years on the bench, he has never ceased to be amazed at the depravity that is committed in the name of God. Accused of grooming several girls who were later assaulted by Nason and of coercing minors into pornographic photo shoots, supervising Deputy Attorney General Patricia Fusco told the judge that Ocampo is guilty of egregious criminal conduct, oh, but cited the 39-year-old defendant's cooperation and early acknowledgement of guilt. Both Ocampo and prosecutors acknowledged Ocampo's own victimization at the hands of Nason Joaquin Garcia. In an interview with the Los Angeles Times, Ocampo's attorney said that Ocampo was raped at age eight by a leader of La Luz del Mundo. For many, many years, she believed that the abuse that she suffered wasn't even abuse. She thought it was a blessing. Mm. Um, And according to her attorney, she was indoctrinated to believe Garcia's wishes were all that mattered. So, um, Alondra Ocampo was sentenced to four years in prison in October 2022. And the third accomplice, 
was Azalea Rangel Melendez, and she was Nason's personal assistant in Mexico. And in 2020, the prosecutor's office described videos that Nason and Rangel may have participated in a sexual threesome with a minor. The recordings were on Nason's iPhone and iPad. The series of videos shows a sexual threesome between an anonymous victim and co-defendant Azalea Rangel and defendant Garcia, who engaged in sexual conduct at their private home at the La Luz del Mundo Temple in Guadalajara, Mexico, testified agent Stephen Stover on August 17th of that year. The alleged victim, who was reportedly about 15 years old at the time of the incident, was called a child in close circles of Nason Joaquin. The state attorney's office referred to that minor as John Doe number two. Prosecutor uh, Patricia Fusco said that the teenager may have been under the influence of drugs during the abuse. Mm. He can be drugged in that video. You don't see his emotion, Fusco said. The California Attorney General's office, Troy Holmes, who led the investigation, described alleged sexual abuse of a woman identified as Jane Doe number five. She said she was raped at a hotel in Beverly Hills, California, which she called a sexual performance with co-defendants Alondra Ocampo and Azalea Rangel. The audience was Nason. And at present, Rangel does not face fresh charges for complaints made by John Doe number five. In the charges brought before the Mexican prosecutor's office, it is alleged that Rangel was in charge of the girls of Naso and Joaquin in Guadalajara, the church's headquarters. She brought them, she bought them plane tickets, she spent time with them, she gave them money, she kept them busy, attended orgies with them, she inspired them by saying that they fulfilled the wishes of God's representative on earth and rebuked them when they did not want to satisfy Nason according to complaints. Azalea Rangel is the one who transfers money and deposits it in the bank. Sometimes there is so much money that we cannot count it quickly. A part of that money was kept in a vault or bank, and Azalea Rangel was ma has maximum control over that, read the FGR file. Azalea has been a fugitive at large for more than three years now. It's believed that she's hiding somewhere in Mexico. Her husband, Gadil Melendez Arroyo, another member of La Luz del Mundo, was an advisor to the Mexican senator, Israel Zamora Guzman, affiliated with the Green Ecologist Party of Mexico, and also a parishioner of La Luz del Mundo. He resigned in 2019, or 2019 following the arrest of Nason. Melendez Arroyo, who in 2018 signed a contract for or signed a contract with 140,000 pesos or $7,000 for his services in the said legislative office, also disappeared. Before the scandal, he participated in La Luz del Mundo events involving politics. So the plea deal that Nason took resulted in his sentencing of six years and eight months in a California prison. And it came as a blow to the victims who had been preparing to testify in court and see their perpetrator spend the rest of his life behind bars. 
After all, Ghislaine Maxwell was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison for her acts as Jeffrey Epstein's accomplice. And that was just her being an accomplice. Right, right. Judge Ronald Cohen tried to ease the pain of the victims while sentencing Garcia. He said, my hands are tied in terms of the guidelines as quiet sobs can be heard in the courtroom. But 2019 actually wasn't the first time someone tried to take action against the church. Of course. On May 18th, 1997, a group of women claimed on the Mexican network Televisa that they had been sexually abused by Samuel approximately 20 years earlier. In a third report on August 17th, shortly after the church, after the church's most significant holiday, uh, former member Moise, Moises, Moises, I thought it was Moises, uh, Padilla also accused Samuel Joaquin of sexually abusing him when he was a teenager. Four people later filed formal complaints. Four people later filed formal complaints with the state prosecutor, but the statute of limitation had passed. The issue reignited in February 1998 when Padilla reported being kidnapped and stabbed by two gunmen. Badia received 57 shallow slashes from a dagger, which could have resulted in death from blood loss. Badia blames uh, Samuel Joaquin for the stabbing and for an earlier attack in which he was allegedly beaten by men who warned him against denouncing the church leader. Mm. Judicial authorities investigated the charges. Judicial authorities investigating the charges said the alleged victims had not been fully cooperative. Therefore, Whereas former church members expressed skepticism of the Mexican legal system, arguing that it favored the church. Mm-hmm. The Chera believes who the Chera was the director of the docuseries. Uh, she believes that the amount of time it's taken for La Luz del Mundo to get widespread attention and for any of the leaders to face any type of repercussions has to do mainly with the race of most of the victims. Most of those who come forward are Latina or Spanish-speaking women. To say that our justice system is colorblind, I just don't believe that. She says this arrest happened at the same time as the Jeffrey Epstein case, the Nexium case, and a lot of its counterparts. Yet somehow we just missed it. And I do believe it was because of the victims' nationalities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Looking... Yeah, looking to the future, the Chera or hopes that Unveiled will embolden other survivors to come forward with their stories and ultimately form a case against the church, a federal case against the church and Joaquin Garcia. We're really hoping that a federal investigation happens and that the survivors do get their day in court that they so deserve. The Chera said, 16 years is not enough. About 30 survivors participated with Chetta in her interviews, though only half appear in the final cut of the film. Our priority was that we weren't going to do anything that endangered their physical safety, their mental health, or their court cases, if there had been court cases, the director says. She and her team created a consent calendar consisting of several check-in points with participants who were always welcome to pull away from the project. I wanted to make sure that there were no surprises. The last thing I wanted to do was cause any more pain or or re-traumatization to an already extremely painful situation, she said. I would almost say that the art came second, to be honest. 
So the scandal mm-hmm. has not squashed the church. Nasson mm-hmm. remains the apostle, and the supposed messenger of God is now leading sermons via telephone from his jail cell. But a federal investigation is underway, and there is a very real possibility, no doubt aided by the release of the Chetas film, that he will be preaching from behind bars for a very long time. Hmm. Yep, it was crazy. Never ends. It never does. I'm going to send you pictures. Oh, yeah, please do. And um, with any kind of descriptions you'd like me to use. Well, it is pretty messed up, but Catholic, the Catholic Church in general has a lot of slimy slime balls hiding and paying people off, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm sure. And then with this kind of thing, with the cult and stuff, it can just, with the right networking, it can do a lot of damage. Widespread damage. Hell yeah. That's for mm. sure. Terrifying. Um, so yeah, don't... Don't... You know, I can't even say it. I was going to say don't join a cult, but some of these people didn't even... Or they don't see it that way. It somewhere. Right. It's just hard. It's hard to... It's hard whenever you want something to believe in. Imagine if, like you said, some were raised in it and they were told that those were blessings, what happened. And Mm -hmm. so that's how they looked at it, even though it was uncomfortable and everything. And then they're told like that was wrong and it should not have happened to you. And then they have to re kind of um, experience it again, but in the way that it was or whatever, all over again. And that trauma just like stays. It's awful. I just, there's so much more. um, Or the only other like thing is they had uh, faith in their stuff. You know what I mean? Like they. Right. That's the added pain. Yes. So now forever, something special is intertwined with something horrible. Right. And a lot of girls. And intimacy too. Yeah. And a lot of girls said um, it because sometimes it would the girls that weren't like super close to or like go to that church in Guadalajara or whatever, um, it would only happen whenever he would go visit the church, like the temples. So mm-hmm. it would he would probably go maybe like five times a year to these different temples and that was the only time that it would happen to them but so the other times when it wasn't when he didn't wasn't around uh it was good like they had fun in their church mm-hmm. until he fucking came around and fucked them over like it was just yeah i don't know to take something innocent like religion and like weaponize it like that for power and Control. Yeah, that's awful. all it fucking is. And that's how it started. But I didn't, it was a whole fucking history lesson for how. Um, right. How I systematic it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, there's, this is hurting my head. I don't even think I understand it fully. Right. There are ways to build systems for this kind of thing to be able to work. Yeah. And it was. In and for the, someone to put in that much effort 
is like sickening to yes. make this kind of thing happen. It mm. I it honestly became like it started, I think, based on like what I did read, I think it was like a because it was during the 20s and there was like political like revolutions happening basically. Yeah. And um mm-hmm. I think he the Aaron was trying to politically separate himself from what was going on in Mexico at mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And he did it by creating the church, this church. Interesting. Yeah. So it, uh, politics have a lot to do, and that's why they're still, like, intertwined with it. Of course. Yeah, definitely. Damn. Yeah. Well, that was a good one. I mean, it's devastating, and the lasting effects are certainly devastating. Um, it's tough because you want to protect your children and your families, but if it's in the church, it's just, like, so um, insidious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't – like, how does – and like now, okay, now it's time for the Catholic Church to they and that's the problem is like they for how powerful the Catholic Church is, they will not take action. And it's like no, why? They won't. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Have why not? The, like these little uh, and they say like it's a the oh well just because it's a sect and it's a cult. Okay, uh, you gotta can be money. the same shit for yeah, the Catholic Church. It's gotta Church. be money that's keeping people quiet. Yes. It's so ridiculous. And protected and, you know, from being persecuted and it's just awful. Yes. It can be, the church can be a pervert's playground because of how much trust you're supposed to, you know, have in it and stuff and the people who run it. But anyways, educate your children, make sure, you know, because they do, there's a lot of opportunities for that to happen. Um, When I was growing up going to church, if the children wanted to go to the children's classroom or whatever during Mm -hmm. the mass or like during the homily or whatever, Mm -hmm. we could go and they would have like the older children watch some of the younger ones. And then maybe there was like two or three adults in there kind of volunteering. But um, anything can happen when you're being separated from your parents during church. Yes. I went to yeah. vacation Bible school. Now that you say that, I don't know if I've said it already on here, but I went to vacation Bible school when I was little for the Baptist mm-hmm. church. And mm-hmm. they, I remember they would, they had us all in the church or whatever. And they were like, if you want to accept Jesus Christ in your heart, raise your hand. And of course I didn't, mm-hmm. um, I was like, you're going to just put something in my, like, I don't, I didn't understand what was going to happen. I was very curious. Yeah. So I rose my hand and they just would, whoever rose their hand, which was like four of us, we just went to the back room with the pastor, just little, little kids. I think I was like five or six. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and there were no like parents around. Like they just would just leave us there with the, no, trust him. He's a pastor. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's wild. Like if there, if somebody has ill intentions, that would be the place to freaking take advantage of that. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. Um oh my gosh. So one uncomfortable moment that I remember having, it was like during one of my Sunday classes or whatever, during I guess I was on my way to becoming confirmed. So I had to go to all these classes. CCD. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. And so um I, on one of them, the guy wanted to wash our feet. What? Because he was like demonstrating how Jesus washed, you know, the feet of 
the poor and stuff. Oh, I thought and I'm shy. Did that to him. Somebody washed someone's. I'm so sorry, y'all. <laughs> uh, if you're religious, it's lit and everything. And I, I was Catholic oh, growing up. I, goodness. it's all, it's all left me. But <laughs> for a reason. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Somebody washed someone's feet, but he would not let it go. And I was like, please don't because my toenails weren't done. I'm like, I don't know, 13. And I cared way too much about like that kind of stuff. So I was like, please, no, I have hairy uh, toes. This yeah. is not. What the fuck? I, I used to prepare my feet for, for like if I was going to a water park, I would shave my toes, get them done, all shit like that. But he, I was like not trying to show my feet to my class. So I held off oh, till to the, the end. Class. Oh my god! I and been yeah, like, no, it was in front of everyone. Touch. Exactly, he would like pour out the water and like start it all over for each person, and so it took all class, right? And so I was like, "Thank God, I like I didn't get to go, whatever." No, he made me stay after and do it. I was like, "Why can't so- I just not?" Well, there were people like oh. that hung around since I waited forever, but other people that already did it could leave. He wasted but- a whole fucking class just to wash all of y'all's feet. everyone's feet. Yeah. I yep. can while we learned about the the situation, which I already forgot, obviously, but that's probably why because I wasn't even paying attention because I was probably like, You're please just don't stressing <laughs> out about your. It's just like people waiting in line to read the next. Take my socks and- off, <laughs> God! Please don't. I know, right? Getting Abby. called out. Anyways, that was weird, though, right? Shouldn't he, he have just let it go? Fetish. Oh, that gross motherfucker! It's like Nickelodeon all over again. Ew, Abby. That's weird. But isn't that weird? Oh my God. It hadn't occurred to me. At first, I was kind of like, well, maybe he's not like letting me take a pass for this because he didn't allow anyone else to. So, like, he's making me do it. But then I was like, why did, Why couldn't he just like let it slide? Everybody, it was over. Like, everybody's like, and you watched everyone else. The, the point has been crossed. To yeah, you. exactly. Exactly. And now you're just stuck with this. Should have lied and said I had like a fungus or something. Exactly. Yeah, I was so shy. Unhygienic. Right. I mean, he would do with different water and like whatever, but, but still, like, why are you touching? Still, like, stop. That's weird. That's weird now that I think fuck, about it. Dude, that is Abby. That is. <laughs> I'm going to ask my parents if they remember that whenever I talk like, to them again. I don't know what you're talking about. Because they weren't in. They didn't come in with me, but I'm pretty sure I made a big enough deal oh. to be like, Mom, they need me. I was embarrassed. Oh. But Anyways, back in the stupid. day, people didn't really think shit like that was weird. And it was weird. Right. Anything went like, okay, let's open your book to whatever. Well, yeah, because our parents grew up with the adults are right (laughs) all the time. Now I'm an adult and everything's right. (laughs) No, dude. I know all the parenting stuff that I see now is like, no, if my child does not want to hug their aunt, they do not have to. And I'm like, good for you. Teach them those boundaries. I agree. But at the same time, being an aunt, you can't be a little gremlin. You take it personal. Uh, so no, funny. I just I like to pick fun at them. Ooh, does that make me a creeper? Oh no, no, it's part of it. I do it's like funny. it, but yeah, I also don't really like affection like that. So I poke fun for a right. minute, and then I'm like, all right, all right, I that's don't enough. <laughs> Get along now. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, and then they start. Uh, yes. like, okay, go away. All right, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Riled up now, it's time to get back. <laughs> God, I know not today, yeah, but um, but anyways, that was a good one, unfortunate. Uh, but hopefully, that doesn't happen anymore. And I mean, the cult is still going, so 
yeah, it is. There's it did still... not diminish people or, you know, sway people from joining. But hopefully that oh, doesn't happen anymore. You just reminded me that I do want to see where that map showed those places real quick. The, the, the churches that are in my surrounding area. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, of course there's one in fucking Acuna. Mm, recruiting. <gasps> oh, my God. I think my mom's friend is part of that church. Lord, don't expose her. <laughs> you better go interview her. Oh, my God. That scared me. Holy shit, dude. Oh, my God. My mind is blown. I really do think it is. I think she is. I'm going to have to call my mom after this. And then there's one in Austin. Let me go. Let do me I leave this in? I'm going to need an update. Yeah, you can leave it in. I thought there was going to be some in Oklahoma, and there's not. Oh, but it didn't. Here we go. Here it is. Abby, are you ready for this? Loose. Oh. I just want to see if there's... Took me to the one in Houston. I wanted to see if there was one in Oklahoma. Oh, Lord. Can Probably... You- that's spreading wide, oh. far and wide. Oklahoma. <gasps> oh, there's one in Amarillo. I don't think there is any. I wish it would. Maybe I'll look whenever I go visit you. We can go join the local, the local cult. Yeah. Well. Mm, um, disgusting. I wish somebody would go undercover to see if that's still happening and freaking cut their winkies off. Cut their winkies off. Well, now who the f- now that they're under a microscope, I'm sure Great. nobody's yeah. doing anything. Going into hiding. Going underground. Hopefully they're not disgusting. doing anything. <laughs> I know. Well, that was awesome. So HBO Max uh, docuseries mm-hmm. unveiled, right? Yes. Uh, I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. It's pretty you, messed up. You'll like it. Jeez. Well, thank you for sharing that. That is mm-hmm. terrifying, and gross, and it's very common like we just discussed. So I'm glad that more people are coming forward. It is very traumatizing for a lot of these victims, but it is important. So yeah, good on them for being courageous and sharing their stories. And um, with that being said, we will wrap it up right there. Well, guys, that was our episode for this week. We hope to see you back with us next week for a new episode, something spooky, something fun. And don't forget to uh, follow us on Instagram, on Twitter. Join the Facebook group, G-I-M-M-E, The Creeps. Stay safe out there. And um, yeah, thank you guys for listening. So did we give you The Creeps?